The Lord's return is soon and sudden, encouraging us to be ready. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. Billy Graham spoke of this, said, We are to wait for the coming of Christ with patience. We are to watch with passionate anticipation. We are to work with zeal. We are to prepare with urgency. Scripture says Jesus Christ is coming when you least expect him. Coming as a thief. He said, be prepared. Get ready. Prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared? Zion, now filled with hands. And in this place, God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your love. Ready or not, Jesus is coming. And of course, we will want to be ready. The soon and sudden coming of the Lord for his followers has many exciting and hopeful implications. And that's our focus today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're so glad you've tuned in today. It's timely for the Lord's return is at hand. This truth offers much needed hope for a hopeless world, not only in our day, but also in the day this scripture was first given. Beginning on that point from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, here's Pastor Ed. In the Greek culture, Roman Empire at this time, they had no hope for after death. In fact, some of their philosophers wrote some pretty depressing things. Ashaitis wrote, once a man dies, there's no resurrection. <laughs> Theodicus wrote, there is a hope for those who are alive, but those who have died, they're without hope. Well, that's a happy thought. Catullus wrote, when once our brief light sets, there is one perpetual night through which we must sleep. Doesn't that cheer you up? The most common Roman tombstone, the epithet on it is, I was not, I became, I am not, and I care not. Wow. <laughs> mm. But we have a hope. We have an expectation. We can rejoice because God has left us this information that those that have departed from us are in heaven with him. And when we take our last breath here, We'll be in his presence too. Let's go a little deeper. Verse 14. For if we believe, I mentioned a class condition. In the Greek language, the word if can be taken several ways. This is the word since in the English language. Not a great translation of this verse. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him, capital H, Jesus, those who sleep in Jesus. Paul reminds the believers of what they already believe. They believe that Jesus died and rose and was seen by 500 people, many of whom were still alive when Paul wrote this. They testified to having seen Jesus in his resurrection body, complete with scars and all. Jesus is coming back, he says. This is exactly what we believe. He conquered death. He's coming back so that he will recover our bodies. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10. We studied that already. God is going to come back and leave nothing to Satan. He's taking it all back. Everything is redeemed, including your old body. 
Secondly, he's coming to serve us, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, in this reunion party. And then, thirdly, he's going to provide assurance for us of our relationship with him when suddenly we lift off with him. So, Paul is reminding the Thessalonians that they will see those whom they love who have gone to be with the Lord again. Their loved ones, in fact, are coming back with Jesus. That's what this says. Bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. The believer can be assured that we will see our loved ones again because Jesus conquered death. He went into the grave, three days came back, and you can be assured that you will do the same thing, and it has happened to all those who have died, their soul and spirit gone to be with the Lord. So what does it mean, sleep, pastor? It says those who sleep in Jesus. Sleep was a Greek and a Roman euphemism, a colloquialism. It's like me saying, my mom has passed away. We like to soften (laughs) that whole death thing. And that's okay. But even in the Old Testament, this idea was brought forward. 1 Kings 2.10, David slept with his ancestors. Sleep, however, only applies to your physical body. It does not apply to your soul and spirit. They are with the Lord. Paul says so, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Paul wrote that he preferred rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. In Philippians 1.23, he expressed his, quote, desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. Looking forward to death, he said, I'll stick around for you guys because you need me, but hey, it'd be a lot more fun when I'm with the Lord. Jesus spoke about sleeping in John 11.11. He was with his disciples down at Bethabar, down at Jordan River, and his friend Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, had died. And there's this conversation going on between him and his disciples. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, well, if he sleeps, Lord, he'll get well. I'm sure Jesus hit his forehead a lot, but I'm really glad that the disciples just asked questions like that because I probably would have asked them, and then I don't look so dumb. They did it for me. However, Jesus spoke of his death, and they thought he was speaking about resting in sleep. Jairus' daughter, a 12-year-old little girl in Mark 5.39. Jesus comes into the room. There's these professional wailers there, mourners. And he said, why are you making all this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead. She is sleeping. Now, don't let this terminology confuse you. Jesus is talking about our current physical body, not our soul and spirit. In Luke 16.20, Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You'll remember that Lazarus was a poor man. The rich man threw a few crumbs his way. They both died. And Lazarus went to paradise. And the rich man went to a hot place with a big abyss in between. But they were both conscious. They're both wide awake. They knew exactly what was going on. These verses teach us that believers go consciously into the Lord's presence at death. There are some today who teach soul sleep. This is not a biblical doctrine. 
Jehovah's Witnesses are the most well-known for teaching that. But how could unconsciousness be very much better, Paul said, than conscious communion with Jesus Christ in this life? Paul says, I want to go be with him. It's so much better. If you're asleep, soul and spirit, how is that better? Jesus promised the repentant thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Moses and Elijah's souls are not asleep when they appeared with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17.3. Tribulation martyrs are described in Revelation 6.9, very much awake. How long, O Lord, they say, before you will avenge us, those beheaded for their faith. No, there are very conscious people in heaven, and they're awaiting Jesus to come and do something. Even so, God will bring with him those, all of them, who are in heaven, Jesus is coming back with, who sleep in Jesus. He's coming again for his church, and God is going to bring with him all of these whom we love, believers, often called the first resurrection. We'll study the second resurrection when we get to the book of Revelation. So that's sleeping saints. Only their bodies sleep because Jesus is going to reclaim them. How? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul says, this is not my opinion. This is what Jesus taught me, what he told me to write that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, go before those who are asleep. So they're worried that grandma is in the grave and somehow missed out. And Paul says, no, not to worry about grandma. She's going before you. <laughs> in fact, her body's going to pop together with her soul and spirit. And then later, you and I will get to join them. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So there's going to be three sounds, evidently, here. Three different audio events, if you will. The first one is a shout, probably from Jesus, although it doesn't say exactly. Jesus shouted when he stood in front of Lazarus' grave, remember? Lazarus had died four days later. Jesus shows up. He says, show me the grave, roll back the stone. He said, but Lord, he stinketh. I love the King James. He stinketh. <laughs> they rolled it back, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. Now, he had to say, Lazarus, come forth, because he had, had he said, he's in a cemetery, and he says, come forth, everybody would come out, it'd been a mess, there'd be overcrowding. He'd have to say, no, you guys go back, I'll be back later. <laughs> Lazarus, you come forth. And so he did. We don't know what the words are but maybe it's come forth. Whatever it is, it's a sound that every believer's body will hear in every grave on planet Earth. Is that like the craziest story you've ever heard? Is this like the, either the biggest fairy tale ever perpetrated upon the face of the Earth, or it's truth? <laughs> this is truth. Crazy cool truth for all of us. So we got a voice, a shout, evidently, a cry of excitement. And then we have an archangel. The only archangel that's named in Scripture is Michael. He's named in the New Testament Jude. There he's called the archangel. There's an article in front of it. He may be the only one. We don't know for sure. 
And Michael himself is here to say, come on, (laughs) out of those graves. Exciting truth Pastor Ed Ray is expounding on today on Grow in Grace. Here now is Pastor Ed with part two of today's teaching and the third sound we'll hear at the coming of the Lord. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. We got a shout, a voice, and a trumpet. The trumpet of God. The third sound is this trumpet call. It was heard at Mount Sinai when the law was given. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 also describes it. There it says, Behold, Paul speaking, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, bodies. Not all believers will go to heaven by death. We will not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the last trumpet sound. I love this verse, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We used to have it on our nursery door, and it was to encourage moms, you know, your babies may not sleep, but we'll keep them changed until you get back. We're not all going to die, and some of us are going to see. Now, when it says uh, the twinkling of an eye, it's probably a reference to blinking your eyes. Now, physiologists have measured the twitch muscles in our body, and they time them. And the fastest twitch muscle in the human body is the eye, the blink of an eye. Only one-fiftieth of a second to blink your eye. Very, very fast. A person blinks an average of 25 times in a minute. We're blinking a lot normally. But that also means that if you drive somewhere at 60 miles an hour for 10 hours... Five of those miles are done with your eyes closed. Just wanted you to know. (laughs) Why are there so many accidents? Well, people are driving with their eyes closed, actually. The dead in Christ will rise first. I used to think this was about the old church I went to, but it's not. (laughs) Sorry. Just giving you ammunition for your friends. Oh, yeah, you you are going to rise first, all of you. You're the ones who are dead in Christ. Well, what about that, Pastor? What about those dead bodies? How are they going to come together? Listen, I know for God it's not a big deal. He put you together the first time in your mother's womb. That's what Psalm 139 says. I love the story of Roger Williams. He was one of the founders of Rhode Island. And there's a great story about Roger Williams. When he died, they put him in a proper wooden casket and buried him. And somebody planted an apple tree next to his grave. Well, after about 40 or 50 years, they realized he's one of the founding fathers, and this is a suitable grave for him. We need to have a big granite edifice built and chiseled his name in it and all the important things he had done. So they dug him back up. But when they dug down, they found that the apple tree's root had gone into the casket. Now, it's right before lunch, so I'm not going to give you too much information But I want you to know that the root of that apple tree went down his head and down his spine and his legs, and it looked like a man. How did God get him back together? It's no problem for the creator of the universe. But afterwards, people began to think, you know, I think I ate an apple from that tree. (laughs) My grandmother made apple pie, apple dumplings from that tree. I ate Roger Williams. 
fed some to my horse. <laughs> Roger Williams is spread all over Rhode Island. <laughs> I could go on, but you get my point. God will take care of it, not to worry. He puts it all back together. It doesn't matter if you fall off a ship and get bitten in half by a shark and the other half is eaten by shrimp and barracudas and everything else. He'll get you back together. Me too. Verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Harpazio in the Greek language. When Jerome wanted to translate the Bible into Latin, he used the word repturo. And caught up is, we still have in English the word rapt. We have rapt attention, ascending attention. It's going up. So they shall be caught up. People who are alive are walking around and boom, they're caught up. Together with them, the people who are coming back with Jesus is their soul and spirit and their bodies come together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. <laughs> so those who are dead in Christ, their bodies will stand up. The Greek word is anastasis and it means dead body stand up. The body reaches stasis. And then we will spend eternity with the Lord. We'll always be with the Lord. Now Paul says something interesting. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, there are a number of denominations that question this whole chapter, set of verses that I'm talking about. They say, well, you know, it doesn't really make sense with our scheme of theology. We have a systematic theology that this doesn't fit in. Sorry, it's the Bible. God says this is the way it works. And he said it should be a comfort to us. Now, if you believe that you're going to have to go through seven years of tribulation, those of you that have studied this know what I'm talking about, if you understand that you have to go through seven years of war that'll affect the whole earth, where a third of the population of the earth will be destroyed, let's see what else happens. All the water turns to blood. All the environment is wiped out. Demons show up and non people for five months. The sun gets hotter by seven times and burns people. Where's the comfort in that? There isn't any. You see, I'm trying to encourage you to see that this was meant to be a comfort for people. And if I say to you, well, Jesus is coming, but he's not coming for a while. You know, we got a lot of stuff to happen yet. We got this tribulation. No, 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 no. Jesus could come at any moment. He could come today. I hope he does, and then he can finish this chapter next week. It'll be a lot better for all of you. Have Jesus describe it. I want to stir the flame in you that he could come. Look around. Israel is a nation again for the first time in 1,900 years. The first time in history that a language has been completely lost. Hebrew is now spoken again in the world by 8 million people. Hmm. What a coincidence. God said that Israel would come back together again. And for the first time in history, we have the ability to annihilate the earth 50 times over. Now, that's a helpful thing. Pastor, I thought you said you were going to comfort me. I'm sorry. You're right. Comfort one another with these words. Jesus, is, he's coming before that happens. That's the good news. 
He's coming. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. You don't know, I don't know, no one knows when he's coming. But he comes when it's unexpected. That's the whole point. And when they say peace and safety, when it seems like everything's fine, then sudden destruction comes upon them. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman, then they shall not escape. You need to make up your mind because Jesus is coming. There's an inscription on the dome of the Capitol. If you go there, and I went and checked it out, and go to the back side of the circle, kind of like the front of our balcony right there, there's chiseled across it these words. One far-off event, a divine event towards which the whole creation moves. And then it stops. We don't know how it got there. It's not in the notes when the architects drew it. It's not part of any notes of the people who constructed it, but somebody who understood that Jesus was coming put it in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. One far-off divine event towards which the whole creation is moving even now. The Jacobites of Scotland, I'll close with this, were a group of people that were waiting for their king, King Richard, to come back. He, he came back and it didn't work out so well. But every time they met together and had a meal, they would toast the coming king. Actually, believers do that same thing. I hope you went to the communion table when you had an opportunity. If not, you can do it afterwards. And when we come to the communion table, we are, in fact, doing the exact same thing. Listen, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we just did when we received communion. We celebrate that he's coming again. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. Billy Graham spoke of this, said, we are to wait for the coming of Christ with patience. We are to watch with passionate anticipation. We are to work with zeal. We are to prepare with urgency. Scripture says Jesus Christ is coming when you least expect him. Coming as a thief. He said, be prepared, get ready, prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared? D.L. Moody said, it's our privilege to know that we are saved. Do you know that? Today on Grow in Grace, we brought you a portion of Pastor Ed's study in 1 Thessalonians. For a CD copy of today's message, give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE or listen online at thepackinghouse.org when it's most convenient. And to help you grow in grace, we'd like to recommend Pastor Ed's daily devotional. It's accessible online at thepackinghouse.org. This month we're featuring an excellent book by our friend in the ministry, Gail Irwin. It's titled The Jesus Style. When Jesus taught us that the greatest must become like a servant, what was he driving at? 
will find the answer by studying the life of Jesus and his style of ministry. It's totally opposed to our natural leanings, so we need some help. Request a copy of the Jesus Style today, and we'll send it your way for a gift of any amount to grow in grace. And please remember, it's your support that helps us bring these teachings to the radio every day. Please consider helping us continue this ministry on this station of yours. Give us a call again, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And I wanted to say again, we love hearing from our listeners. Let us know how we can pray for you and what you're getting out of this study. Tell us your story and how you've been growing in grace. That would be so encouraging to hear. Drop us an email today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in 1 Thessalonians with Pastor Ed Ray. May God richly bless you as you grow in grace. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now build with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your